the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again, my friends, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Right here, of course, on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. We're so pleased that you're with us here on New Year's Day. And a very, very happy 2022 to you. Now, we've got a wonderful engineer. His name is Gabe. He gets us on the air. And Andrew Herdliska does the producing. In this first segment, uh, I'm pleased to introduce to you Jeremiah Johnston. He's in Houston, Texas, founder and president of Christian Thinker Society, uh, associate professor of early Christianity at Houston Baptist University. And he's the author of Unleashing Peace. Jeremiah, welcome to Orlando. How are you, sir? It's great to be with you, Pat. I'm delighted to be talking to you today, and Happy New Year. Thank you. Same to you, sir. Uh, How did this book come about? Great question, Pat. Um, Our ministry was founded over 10 years ago, and the job of being a Christian thinker, which that is the great commandment. Jesus was asked, uh, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Of course, there were 613 to choose from in late Second Temple Judaism, and Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And Pat, I've never gotten over that passage to love God with our minds. And before I ever knew I had a ministry, I became my ministry. I wanted to be a Christian thinker. And so my wife and I embarked on a ministry called Christian Thinkers Society over 10 years ago. And the uniqueness of our ministry, Pat, is we would uh, take difficult questions into the local churches and answer those questions based on what the Bible has to say about them. And of course, God's a big boy. He can take our difficult questions. And then we would open up for the audience to ask questions. And this would happen throughout the United States, the United Kingdom, and in Canada. And do you know my number one question that I've been asked from Christians, a across the denominational spectrum, Pat, are questions related to mental pain, Mm. anxiety, depression. By far, that's my number one question. And so the job of the Christian thinker, the job of the Christian apologist, if you will, is to make sure that our faith connects up well with the questions our culture is asking today. So many skeptics see Christianity as the answer to yesterday's questions, not today's questions, but we know that Christianity has never been more relevant, never been more needed, and I'm a real optimistic guy. I'm excited about our faith. And so this book, Unleashing Peace, How to Experience God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness, took five years to put together. By God's grace, this is book number 10 for me, either authored or co-authored, and I wanted to answer this question from a biblical perspective, that God wants us to flourish. And I wanted to teach people as a gospel scholar 
how to rediscover living in the shalom of God. And so that's how the book, it was way before a pandemic, by the way, we had the vision for this book. And I'm so delighted because, boy, do I, I don't know a single Christian right now who doesn't want more of the peace of God in his or her life. Jeremiah, part one, well, there are actually there are three parts of your book. Part one, unleashing shalom in your life. And then you you write about, wait, God wants me to be happy? Really? And how to unleash shalom and happiness in your life, the ministry of presence, Jesus is our shalom. That's part one, and I want you to uh, fill that out for us. Absolutely. Great question, Pat. Thank you so much for it. Well, first off, we need to know if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, it is God's will for me to live in the shalom of God. And next to the name of Jesus, there is no greater word in all of the scriptures than the word shalom. It shows up, Pat, 550 times from Genesis to Revelation. And it's so important that we understand that Jesus, following Jesus, is a happy occasion. Um, Now, that doesn't mean we don't have conflict. It doesn't mean that we don't have troubles. I mean, all you have to do is open your Bible to 2 Corinthians, and Paul uses the word trouble 12 times, and yet he found the shalom of God in the midst of his troubles. And Jesus said in John 16:33, you're going to have trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And, and so I can't think of a better topic for us to discuss as we begin 2022 than how do we live in the shalom of God. And so part one sets out not just the theological Uh, imperative that God wants us to live in peace, it sets out the practical. I'm an immediate next steps guy, Pat. Like, I I speak a lot, and I'm, you know, how do we live this? How does this this help our marriage today? How does this help our family and our business today? How does this help our teams today? So I'm a big immediate next steps guy. And I want to just share this with you because one of the biggest takeaways, and this book is also a national tour right now. We're speaking in churches all over the country, um, bringing this message of shalom and God's peace. One of the most important things you can do as you go into this brand new year that God's given us, you know, you have a financial plan, you have an educational plan, you have a five or 10 year plan, you might have a life insurance plan. You need a shalom plan for your family. Paul had to figure out how to live in the shalom of God. He had no peace of mind in 2 Corinthians, and seven years later, he writes the greatest anti-anxiety passage in all the Bible in Philippians chapter 4. It took him some time to figure it out. And, Pat, the other thing, if I may, in part one is I really explain, and this is important for all the religious people listening to us or the people who have no religion, I will never live in the shalom of God until I have peace with God. And so first and foremost, we need to make sure that everyone listening to us has peace with God through Jesus Christ. And so in that chapter, Jesus is our shalom. There is no peace apart from God. There is no shalom apart from Jesus Christ. There's a wonderful verse in the Bible, Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have shalom with God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so First, God wants you to have vertical peace with God. You can't do that through effort or action or religion. You can't do that through works. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us, to pay for our sin and rose from the grave. And so first and foremost, you need to make sure you have peace with God by placing your trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that happens in a moment. And Pat, it's important I point out in the book, that peace will never change. Once you have peace with God, once you have trusted in Jesus, 
Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Romans 5.1, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That peace does not increase or decrease. That never changes. But the peace, then, then there's the second step, and it's that horizontal peace of God in our life. And I spend the next two sections of the book really describing how we then, once we know for sure that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, once we understand the biblical precedent of shalom, how do we live it? You know, how do we, you know, Pat, by the way, I have five children, including triplets who are five years old, so I haven't slept in five years. <laughs> so I need to know, how do, how do I know the peace of God in my life um, as a dad and as a husband? So spent the next two, two sections of the book discussing practical steps to live in the peace of God. My guest, he's in Houston, his name Jeremiah Johnston, and his book is called Unleashing Peace. Uh, let's get to part two, living and applying shalom in God's world. And, and you get into these topics, Jeremiah, vulnerability is the new superpower. God is my shield. Therefore, do not be afraid. The Bible weaponized and misread Holistic happiness you get into, mind, body, and soul. Let's save lives, compassion, prevention, and intervention. Boy, that's a, that's a, that's a ton of material there, Jeremiah, but, but to unpack it for us. Thanks so much. We have to have those immediate next steps. And the great thing about the Bible is we can get beyond bumper sticker theology and Twitter hot takes and quick sound bites. And being a Christian thinker means we're going to have substantive answers. And if you're serious about wanting God's peace for your life this year in 2022, there are great steps that you can take. We've already discussed starting to build a plan for shalom in your life. You need to build a plan for peace. And so Philippians 4, 6 says there are certain things we need to rid our mind of. Do not be anxious about anything, then then that's an imperative command. I wouldn't believe it, Pat, if it wasn't in the Bible, but it is. We cannot worry about anything but pray about everything, tell God our needs, and don't forget to thank Him. And then the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. But then Philippians 4.8 says, Pat, that we're to fill our minds with certain things. And Pat... Paul does something there in 32 words, if you read it in the NIV, depends which English version you read. In 32 words in Philippians 4.8, mm. he lays out the plan for the peace of God in just 32 words in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. And so can we just talk about that for a minute? Sure. I spend a whole lot of time in part two discussing how we have to bolt our life to what is true. We live in a world of spin, fake news, conspiracy theories, gone wild. The scriptures say, if I'm going to have the peace of God, I have to bolt my life to the absolute truth of God's Word. And so I give specific steps how to do that. And I also give this, this book, I, can, I can't explain this um, outside of the Holy Spirit. People are buying this book by the case, Pat, and they're giving it out. Um, they're giving it out to chaplains. So a woman threw a party over the weekend in Tennessee and gave out 100 copies to people that were attending a party at her home. Um, I, I can't explain it because it's just the Holy Spirit, but this book is a tool that you can put into people's hands that will educate you how to have these faith discussions with people that are having mental pain. One of my favorite chapters in Part 2 is this chapter on vulnerability. Unfortunately, and I open one of my chapters this way, in some sections of in some sectors of Christianity, we're the only group that shoots our wounded, and that's just not the spirit of Jesus. And so we need to all be more vulnerable about the things that God 
God has delivered us from, the areas he's comforted us in, so that we can comfort others with the same comfort that God has given us. And then this whole, this whole notion, I know that it's, it's been talked about a lot, but it is so important that Jesus, the number one commandment Jesus gave, when, and I'm a gospel scholar, it's amazing when you study it, the number one thing that Jesus said was, do not be afraid. He said that more than anything else, and boy, is that a message we need to hear. We also have to take care of our bodies, Pat, and so I interviewed a wonderful medical doctor about how when we take care of our bodies, it's going to help us think better. You know, we're body, soul, and spirit, and then we give some great tools of compassion, prevention, coping steps, and intervention steps, because all of us, you know, we're concerned about our kids, Pat. You know, our young people, they're going to look at their phones 2,000 times today. They're going to see 10,000 media messages. We've got to help them sift through all the lies and live a life that's bolted to Jesus Christ and bolted to truth. Uh, I want you to uh, <clears throat> expand. We're, we've got to get to part three. Uh, we'll do that a little bit later. Um, Christian Thinker Society, I want you to just explain uh, what we do uh, about becoming part of that, or what, what, what's the story? What do you want us to do? Oh. Well, thank you so much. I would encourage everyone to join the Christian Thinker Society. It's free. All you have to do is be be committed to the Great Commandment, and the Great Commandment is to love God with your heart, soul, and your mind. Our website's christianthinkers.com, and the mission of my life is to teach Christians to be thinkers and thinkers to be Christian. And I am delighted. Um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to live in Oxford, do, uh, do my Ph.D. in the U.K., my Ph.D. is on the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, so that's my area of specialty. But again, Christianity is all about answering the questions people have today about our faith. And so our website, our YouTube channel is just full of free content that will not only encourage your own faith, but it's going to help you with engagement principles. It's going to help you, you know, the more I know about my faith, Pat, the more comfortable I am in a faith dialogue. And unfortunately, I I actually don't use the word apologetics very much because that word has become so militant. Um, I like to talk about Christian thinking, and I'm a huge believer and backer of the local church, and I'm a pretty optimistic guy. I know there are challenges out there, but 70,000 people a day are still coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We have more evidence available today that that proves our faith than at any other time. I mean, Charles Spurgeon, Augustine, these guys knew nothing of the Dead Sea Scrolls or biblical archaeology. So, I, but here's the problem, Pat: we have a whole church. We have the smartest people of all time in our churches, and yet I'm sorry to say. That this, they are the most biblically illiterate. We have the dumbest Christians biblically of all time, and we have to change that. And here's what's cool. It doesn't matter what denomination people are in. I have found people get excited the more that they own their faith. And so we guide them by the hand. I write Bible studies and curriculum. Um, and then I write, I write to answer the questions that people actually have about our faith. And so my books are harder to write, but they're more relevant, and that's, by, I think, why, by God's grace, they last longer. Um, and so I would encourage people just to check that out. We have a Bible study called Unanswered. We have another one called Answers to Tough Questions. I wrote a book called Unimaginable, What the World Would Be Like Without Christianity. And wow, I didn't know I was doing prophecy at the time, because so, so many of the things I wrote about uh, have been accelerated during this pandemic time. So uh, at any rate, it's, it, and I'm very church-centric. I want to help our pastors. Our pastors 
pastors need help, our pastors need encouragement, our pastors need to be challenged to stay true to the Word of God and not compromise and not give TED Talks, but really teach the Word. And so that's what I'm dedicated to, and I would encourage people to join us and, and take a look at our ministry. We're a nonprofit, we're a 501c3, and you know, no one gave us our ministry, Pat. I didn't even realize I had one. I, like I said, I, we became one, and, and boy, has God blessed it, and it's, it's His work, and I give Him all the glory. Jeremiah Johnston is our guest. <clears throat> We're talking about his book, Unleashing Peace. Uh, we've got another segment with Jeremiah. Stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're tuned in to the new AM 990 in FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We're visiting with Jeremiah Johnston. He's in Houston. We're talking about his book, Unleashing Peace. And, Jeremiah, we have arrived at uh, part three of your book, Protecting Your Shalom in the Difficult Times. And you get into the unpardonable sin. What is it and what it isn't? And mind wars, taking every thought captive. And and then uh, why don't I feel my faith? Uh, it's all yours, Jeremiah, part three. Well, and again, this is uh, such an honor to join you, Pat. Thank again, thanks again to you, Gabe, and the entire team. It's a privilege to be talking to you across the state of Florida, and particularly Central Florida. I just so appreciate you and your voice and your ministry and your leadership, your example. I'm just tickled to be talking to you on this New Year's Day. So I'm excited because this book, Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom and Your Pursuit of Happiness, is making such an impact at different levels because all of us need more of the peace of God right now. And we need more of the shalom of God. Shalom is so much more than a greeting, Pat. In fact, it's translated 70 different ways in the NIV Bible alone. And if you've been a Christian long enough, you know that you're going to experience trouble. You've had the euphoric experience, perhaps, of coming to Christ, or perhaps you grew up in a Christian home like I did. You can't remember a time hardly when you weren't a Christian. But we're going to have adversity and challenges in our life. My wife and I experienced great adversity when we found out we were high-risk pregnancy with triplet boys. And we had to have our worldview locked down. We had to have our peace locked down with God. Our peace would not fluctuate based on circumstance, because Jesus would always be there with us in those circumstances. We had to make those hard decisions. And so, Pat, what I see right now is a total onslaught. There's an all-out guerrilla warfare against the peace of God with the people of God. And so the final part of my book is I wanted to teach people, okay, you've learned the biblical precedent, part one. It is God's will for you to live in the shalom of God. Part two, you've learned all these great steps about how to put a peace plan, a shalom plan in place. But guess what? Trouble's coming. <laughs> Attack's coming. Adversity's coming. And so I wanted to teach people in this final section, how do you protect that shalom in your life? And one of the most interesting things, uh, and actually, Pat, it's my favorite chapter of the book, is the final chapter. I do, as I mentioned, I do a lot of speaking. And I just, I, I have never seen a time, and maybe, you, maybe you'd agree, where people have followed their feelings more than facts. 
They follow their feelings more than the facts of Scripture. They, they follow their feelings more than truth. And I wanted to do this chapter with a wonderful Christian psychologist. What do we do if we can't feel our faith? Why don't I feel my faith? And it is a dangerous thing when feelings become the driving force of my life. It's a dangerous situation when feelings become the driving force of my faith. And we see this throughout Scripture, that we constantly see individuals have to ignore what they felt in the natural and keep trusting God in the supernatural. Like I think of Psalm 42 and 43, which of course was one psalm in the original Hebrew, where that, psal- that, that psalmist kept saying, why are you downcast, a spirit within me? Why are you disquieted at trust in God. And so, Pat, one of the things we say in the, I say in the book is the worst thing you can do as a Christian is listen to your heart or follow your heart. You have to preach to your heart. You have to speak truth to your heart, because your heart is desperately wicked. Even as a Christian, it's going to lead you, especially with feelings, into all kinds of strange places that you don't want to be. And so I gave some—I love that we finished the book on, you know what, the facts of Scripture are the driving force of my life. The faith, it, it follows facts faith in those facts, and then, yeah, feelings will come along if they do. Um, And that's something that especially our young people need today. I can't tell you how many people I speak to, you know, they're in their 20s or younger, and and they, they, they make all the decisions in their life based on a feeling in the moment or an energy in the room, and that is so dangerous. And so Scripture tells us that we, we stay fastened to truth. And then I also loved this chapter 13, Mind Wars, Taking Every Thought Captive. I mentioned to you, Pat, you know, I have a Ph.D., which means I know a lot about a little, okay? <laughs> and so my area of specialty is the Gospels. And I took a lot of time, you know, we gloss over the temptation of Jesus. We have no idea, Pat, what Satan showed Jesus when he showed Jesus the kingdoms of the world. I mean, can you imagine the temptation in that moment? What did he show Jesus? You talk about intrusive thoughts. You talk about temptations. You talk about a man, the God-man, the Messiah, who had to learn in that moment to take every thought captive. So we get into that, and, you know, we're going to, some of us, we're going to see the kingdoms of the world. We're going to be tempted in all kinds of different ways with things that will ultimately steal the shalom of God. And so how do we grab, crush, and kill those thoughts? Or (laughs) how do we we just ignore those thoughts and keep going? So important. And then, yeah, as a biblical scholar, I wanted to clear up some big-time confusion in different sectors of the church about the unpardonable sin and, um, and that's a heavyweight chapter in the book, because the only sin that God cannot and will not forgive is, is the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So we talk, I talk about that at length. And so my prayer for the book is that people will use this as a tool. And in our tour events, I've been, I've been standing there signing books for moms and dads and grandparents and business leaders who know people in their life who are struggling with anxiety. And I'm already delighted to hear how God is using this book to, to um, not only strengthen the base, but solidify the peace of God in people's hearts. And what a a commitment to make. I pray that everyone listening to us on this New Year's Day 2022 will make a commitment to live in the peace of God. And you know what? We've got to make some tough decisions, just like other decisions when we make a plan. There's things that we need to eliminate. There's things we need to say no to for the bigger yes of God's peace in our life. My guest is Jeremiah Johnston. Uh, He's in Houston. Jeremiah, I'm intrigued about... um, Early Christianity, which seems to be your specialty at Houston Baptist University, uh, what are you teaching the students in those classes? What does that mean, early Christianity? 
Yeah, it's so important that we learn to read the Bible. And I and I I speak at other universities as well, and I even do this. I sneak up on people <laughs> in churches and do it, do the same thing. You know, we've got to read the Bible with first century eyes, Pat. Um, a Bible study will go into free fall mode if we don't understand the context of Scripture. You know, in a huge attack right now, this is why my next book, book number 11, by God's grace, is going to be on the resurrection. Uh, seven reasons I know Jesus and I know and believe Jesus physically, bodily rose from the grave. If we don't understand Jewish burial traditions, if we don't understand crucifixion and execution and the Roman context, we're really not going to understand what the scriptures have to say about these things. And then we're going to foist our modern understanding onto Eastern um, culture. And so it's so much fun for me. I, I mean, all I am is a time traveler, Pat. If I did a Bible study with you and your friends, I would just take you back in time and just teach you a few things about what the world was really like. For example, how much of a heavyweight word shalom would have been when Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, if we could have gone back to Matthew chapter 5, the very moment he speaks, he starts using that word asher, which is happy. You know, he begins his whole sermon with the word happy over and over again. It's been translated blessed, but it could just as easily be translated happy. Uh, you know, we don't realize how important that concept was. And so I'm just a time traveler taking people back to what things were really like. Again, this shows us that our, our faith is rooted in history, Pat. Our faith is rooted in evidence. These are real people, real places, real events that we need to study. And then that helps us with our biblical interpretation and application today. Jeremiah, we've got about a minute and a half. What's the best thing about living in Houston, Texas? The best thing about living in Houston, Texas is like a Christian Manhattan, Pat. There is (laughs) so much Christian philanthropy here. There is such a God mindset. Um, I'm not from Texas originally, but I got here as quick as I could, as as they say. Now, I do have triplet boys, five years of age, that are now native Texans. They were born here. And uh, so I I, I guess I can stake a claim. Uh, But the coolest part is, is how prevalent the Christian community is here. You go to galas, people pray in the name of Jesus. You go to the rodeo. Oh, yes, we have a huge rodeo. 90,000 people attended every night. It's like a revival. They pray in the name of Jesus. Um, And I'm not used to that because I'm from a much more secular community. And I I just think it's a delight for me and my wife, Audrey. We've been married 17 years. Our our kids just grow up in such a Christian culture. Of course, there's challenges to that, but I sure like it as opposed to the alternative. And plus, like I said, Houston's where God has a second home, so you can't go wrong living in the nation in Texas. Jeremiah Johnston has been our guest. His uh, book, Unleashing Peace, make sure you get a copy. And speaking of books, uh, my latest book has just come out. It's called Every Day is Game Day. Amen. It's a a uh, 365-day devotional with a sports theme each day. And um, I think you'll find it different. Uh, Many devotionals out there, but none quite... uh, this sports centric. So uh, go up to Amazon and get Unleashing Peace and as well as every day is game day. We've got more after this here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're tuned in to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Our guest in that first segment, Jeremiah Johnston from Houston, talking about his book, Unleashing Peace. 
Well, we go from Houston right here to Orlando. Dr. Brent Crow is with us, Vice President of Student Leadership University. That means he works under the one and only Dr. J. Strack, and, and he's an author. And his latest book is out, 10 Steps to Your Best Life, Connecting the New Normal to the Ancient Wisdom of Jesus. Brent, I can't wait to dive into this. But, but first of all, how are you doing? And what's going on with student leadership? And how is your life? Fill us in. Man, we're doing, Pat, we're doing so well. And I'm so honored to be on your show, as always. I get to talk to the chief dreamer. I, see, I, I believe Pat Williams, that name is one day going to be an adjective. When somebody goes, you know what, I'm going to do something that's never been done before, something really big in a city. Somebody's going to look at that gal or that guy and go, well, you're pulling a Pat Williams, you know? So <laughs> I, uh, anytime I get to talk to you, it's a, it's a good day. So I'm, I'm excited and grateful and, uh, and honored to, uh, be on. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Brent, how did this book come about? Well, it came about through, uh, uh, I think sometimes the best projects come about through, through pain and struggle. Um, and I was, we were entering into the pandemic, uh, and as a follower of Jesus, I, I had to believe that the, the Lord and his infinite wisdom uh, had a, a paradigm, a plan, a strategy, whatever you want to call it, on how to move forward. So I, I asked this question uh, of the Lord and the scriptures and took this question to the teachings of Jesus is, uh, what what is my paradigm for living uh, as I emerge out of this pandemic? Um, if there's nothing new under the sun, what is my paradigm uh, for living, and 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 how should I should I live? And um, and I took that question to the scriptures and found that the, 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 the Lord offers us ten great uh, in there are ten great insights, ten very easy, very doable uh, um, steps, if you will. I made it very practical. The biggest challenge with this book, Pat, is people think it's self-help. It's not self-help. It's, it's how the Savior can help us as we uh, navigate a time we've we've never been through before. Uh, Brent, let's dive in uh, to Chapter 1. Uh, there are 10 key pieces here. Chapter 1, God, and uh, create a rhythm of renewal. What does that mean? Well, um, you know, you always got to start at the beginning. Uh, if you don't start at the beginning, you'll end up at the wrong place. And so uh, any conversation about what is a new normal look like uh, inevitably uh, has to be um, start with, 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 with God. And so we began, we began this journey uh, of understanding what a paradigm of living would look like by going, okay, we, we've got to create a rhythm of renewal. We've got to create a rhythm by which my soul is being renewed on a daily basis. And if I have that healthy rhythm of renewal, uh, boy, the forecast of the future is, is a lot different. Uh, that's what that chapter is about. Now let's go to number two, Brent. It's called Image. Give up and chase the light. Tell us yes, more. Sir. Well, uh, there's a there's a fun little story I tell in in that chapter about a a, a sunflower uh, in a garden who constantly moved with the with the sun throughout the day, and I create this little story where all the other 
flowers in the garden thought that that sunflower was kind of weird because it was always moving and all the other flowers just stayed still. But it's it's a cool little fact that the sunflower literally follows the pattern of the of the sun as it goes across the sky to capture as much light as possible. Um, and it really, in my opinion, it really does kind of capture the essence of, of our journey as Christians, that we are we, the, the, the psalmist said, happy are the people whose strength is in you and whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. We are on a pilgrimage in which we are walking uh, in the footsteps of our Savior, and and we want to redeem every moment. The best way to redeem every moment is is to walk in the marvelous light of Jesus. So that uh, that chapter is about how do you practically walk in that light every day. Uh, Dr. Brent Crow is with us talking about his book, 10 Steps to Your Best Life. We're at number three, Brent. Image, er, words, excuse me, words. Let the word shape your words. Yes, sir. Well, you know, the, the, Jesus in the Gospels talked about how, you know, our hearts are, a lot of times as Christians, when we talk about our hearts, we go, man, our hearts are just deeply wicked and all of that can be true, but it also can our hearts can be a storeroom of good, Jesus teaches us. And so that chapter is about how do you store up, how do you fill up that storeroom of good um, um, in such a way that you can uh, what comes out of you is good. And so the only way really to do that um, is uh, is to make sure that your you, the word of God is shaping the words that come out of your mouth and. So it's a chapter on the impact of our words, how our words reverberate, reverberate throughout our lives, the impact they have on others, the impact they have on ourselves, and how we can position our lives so that our words are constantly building up rather than tearing down. Topic number four, simply called rest. Discover your yeah. rest cycle. How do we do that, Brent? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I identified... Um, Five types of rest in Scripture, um, and so the reason I, I subtitled that chapter "Your Rest: Discover Your Rest Cycle" is because I think we, when we think of rest, a lot of times we think of, "All right, I'm gonna go take a nap." Well, that's that's one type of rest, but there are multiple kinds of rest in Scripture that are very, very important. Um, retreat rest is very important. In fact, the Israelites would, would look forward to three strong festivals every year. Those were week-long, ten-day-long parties where they would get away, and they would—I mean, those were vacations. And so, um, you know, the, the, the reality is, we, 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 as Westerners primarily, are not good at having a balanced or healthy approach to rest. So, my hope with that chapter is to expand one perspective on rest to be more than just taking a nap. Uh, but to actually discover five kinds of rest you need in your life so that you can be healthy. Now, Brent, we move to topic five, relationships. Practice the art of relating well. How do we do that? Well, relationships are an art form in many in many ways. Um, and, and, and a human being, I believe, is only going to be as healthy as the relationships that they foster. Um and, you know, it's, it, it's hard in this pandemic to figure out how to uh, love your neighbor well when you're not supposed to be close to your neighbor, 
when everybody says, when you know, you got whether it's the CDC or whether it's the government or whatever, whatever it is. I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong or bad, but when all the warnings are stay away, how do you, how do we create a paradigm by which we're we're loving our neighbor? How are we relating well to those around us? Um, when when we're told to love our neighbor in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, the word neighbor means near ones. So how do we love those who are closest to us in our own home or in our subdivision or in our apartment complex or at work or wherever that may be? So um, there's a really practical chapter there about uh, the skills needed and the approach necessary to build healthy and lasting relationships. And now uh, I want you to talk about topic number six. You call it attitude. Calibrate the mentality of your heart. Yeah, yeah. Your attitude, the mentality, the best definition of attitude is attitude is the mentality of one's heart. In my opinion, that's the best definition I've heard. But, um, um, you know, one's attitude uh, affects virtually every aspect of their their lives. It's it's, uh, saturates the entirety of our lives. Um, And we think that attitude is something that we fix from the outside in, but attitude is something that cannot be healthy unless it is approached or or addressed from the inside out. And so so it's a chapter on, on, on how to calibrate and constantly be calibrating the mentality of your heart. It's kind of like driving, you know, you're, you know, when you're driving, you're constantly, you know, turning the wheel just a little bit here, just a little bit there, calibrating uh, the focus of your car to stay where it's supposed to be uh, on the road. And so how do we constantly calibrate, make those little tweaks, those little adjustments, uh, our hearts so that our attitude is, is healthy. Brent Crow is our guest, his book, 10 Steps to Your Best Life. <clears throat> we got more with Brent. Stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. We will return. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Dr. Brent Crow is our guest from his palatial office suite uh, here in Orlando. <laughs> He's the vice president of Student Leadership University, and we're talking about his new book, 10 Steps to Your Best Life, Connecting the New Normal to the Ancient Wisdom of Jesus. Well, Brent, we have arrived at topic number seven. You call it worthiness. Construct a moral vision for your future. You're going to have to explain that to us. Yes, sir. Uh, a moral vision for one's future uh, will be determined. In other words, a vision for my future that pleases God, that is saturated with the right kind of morality, will begin um, and be informed by a sanctity of human life. Um, so when we talk about worthiness, we're talking about my future needs to be constructed in such a way that I find worth and am esteeming worth in the lives of others. You know, out of everything that God created, the only thing that's going to last forever is human beings. And so the more my moral, the moral vision for my future has to, has to be driven and motivated and instructed 
by a sanctity of human life. Let's get to number eight, and you call it respect. Build a reputation of honor, you explained to us. Yes, sir. Well, um, you know, your, your reputation is something that takes a lifetime to build. You know, Pat, I, you and I live in the same city, and I've looked up to you for a long time, all joking aside. It's just it's a, it's a privilege every time I get to be around you at a social event or just to have a meal or or whatever it may be, and you've you've got a great reputation in this city. Uh, you've got a great reputation, I think, for two reasons. One, you've you've done incredible things. You get stuff done. Leaders get stuff done. Uh, but two, you've gotten stuff done the right way. You've honored people through the process. You haven't. There's not a trail of uh, of bodies in your wake of people that you've had to do battle with, and 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 you know. Gosh, that guy's got a lot done, but he's a jerk, you know. No, there's that you've gotten stuff done the right way by building up and, and edifying people through it, and sharing the credit with others, and helping other people feel involved in the journey. So, uh, the best way to build uh, a reputation for yourself that is honorable is through proactively being honoring to other people, being respectful to other people. And there's a very practical way that you can go about doing that, and, and so that's what that chapter is about. Uh, Brent, uh, let's get to number nine, integrity. Shine like stars in the world, you tell us. I love that phrase. You know, Paul uh, used that phrase in the book of Philippians, and it, it's, the, to me, the perfect phrase for what a Christian should be, because there are no stars in the world. Um, and so it conveys to us, first of all, uh, this earth is really not our home, that we are on a journey. Um, that journey will end when we step foot into the heaven country. Uh, we are on a pilgrimage, you could say. Um, and in the meantime, as people really who are kind of temporary citizens of earth and permanent citizens of the heaven country, while you're in that uh, temporary citizenship, ship, shine like a star in the world, be an illuminary. So I, I love that phrase because there are no stars in the world, and it shows and it illustrates how we are, this really isn't our home, but, but this is our role as we pass through this place. And uh, so anyways, shine like stars in the world is just, a, is just a, beautiful, a beautiful description of what we are to be. And when we do that, our character, our integrity um, is whole, is complete, and stands oftentimes, sadly, in stark contradiction to the rest of culture. Um, uh, we, we do things right, and we do things the right way, not because we're just supposed to, but because we're motivated by what Christ has done for us. And so we shine like stars in the world. We're people who are full of integrity uh, because the light of Jesus resides in us. I want you to expand, Brent, on the word integrity. Uh, how, how do you define that word? How do you explain it? Well, as, as, as many people have explained it, it comes, you know, its root word, integer, is, is about being whole or put together. Um, and so when I think of integrity, I think of somebody that is trustworthy through and through. There's, there, there's not corners in their life in which okay, this is my playground over here, I can, my integrity doesn't count over here. They are, they're complete. 
they're put together. Um, and, 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 and integrity, um, for people who have high character, their character and their integrity are non-negotiable. You know, people who really have integrity are willing to die for it. I mean, that, that's how important it is to them. They're, they're, they would rather be, they would rather die than to compromise when it comes to their integrity. Because, uh, if you don't have it, what else do you have as far as being somebody that can be trusted in this world? Out. It's called 10 Steps to Your Best Life. Brent, we have arrived at uh, topic number 10, and you call it contentment. Submit yes, and delight in the desires of the good father. Yes, sir. You know, there was a, a, a old mystical writer. Uh, he, he held a lot of different roles as far as his ministry goes, uh, a guy named Brennan Manning. Uh, he's most known for a book he wrote called The Ragamuffin Gospel. Um, I recently read his book, uh, or had read his book in preparation for that chapter, called The Furious Longing of God. It's not a long book, but it's a, it's a powerful, powerful read. And in that book, he encourages his readers to, he's trying to write about contentment and encourage them to discover the, a life of contentment, and he encouraged them to Pray a prayer for 10 minutes every day, a seven-syllable prayer. Abba, I belong to you. And now, you know, Pat, I'm a, I'm a task-oriented guy. I, you know, I, I take a list every day. I go to work. I get stuff done. I, I'm, I'm interested in always moving forward. So to sit and pray the same thing over and over sounded weird to me. But I thought, you know, I'm going to give this thing a shot. I, and so I, I, for a month, I sat alone, 10 minutes a day. And I prayed, Abba, I belong to you. And, and Brent Manning describes, you know, if you pray that prayer right, it corresponds with the rhythm of breathing. You know, you breathe in, Abba, you breathe out, I belong to you. And and not in some weird kind of mysterious, kind of off the beaten trail of Christianity, this is some kind of New Age mysticism, but rather just a simple prayer that speaks to how God feels about us and how we should feel towards him. And I got to tell you, after praying that prayer for a month, um, the word contentment was the best description for how I felt uh, at the end of those 10-minute prayer times. And so, Abba, I belong to you. Uh, Maybe one of the most powerful prayers I've ever prayed in my life, Pat, but but uh, Manning really helped me to, to see a new angle, a new side, a new perspective. On, on that word contentment. Brent Crow is our guest. And uh, Brent, I want you to get to the conclusion. Uh, you call it echoes of the ancient. Uh, what does that mean? What's that about? Well, it kind of gives the book away, but what, what, we're going to do it. You're the, you're the, out, of, uh, out of the probably 30-plus interviews, this is the only one where I'm going give to give the book away. But we're going to give it away on, on, on what the whole book is about. On this one, so I, uh, in the book, I I take the question, what should my paradigm for living? How should I live as I emerge out of the long dark winter called COVID nineteen? And I take that question to Jesus, and what we discover is that Jesus gives us an answer, a workable paradigm. But if you study long enough, Jesus was affirming the answer that had already been given, called the Ten Commandments. 
And so that little section at the end of the book, which is kind of the given, again, it kind of gives it away, if you will, is that this book all along has been about God's paradigm for how we should live from the beginning. And that paradigm has worked across time, different cultures, different places in history, different situations, different crises, different whatever's happening in history. This paradigm, God's way of living, has all, it's a workable paradigm. It's always worked. And C.S. Lewis uh, once wrote that people oftentimes need to be reminded more than they need to be instructed. And as I was getting to that place where I go, oh my goodness, Jesus is teaching on, on the Ten Commandments in many ways, and this paradigm for how we should live all along, Jesus was, and, and who was he teaching? He was primarily speaking to Jewish people. He was reminding them of something they already knew. And so, I, you know, I don't think that I'm some revolutionary thought leader or anything like that. Uh, but oftentimes I need to be reminded, and I, as I took this question to the Scriptures, uh, how am I supposed to live as I emerge out of this pandemic? Uh, the resounding answer is, let me remind you of something you already know. And uh, so it's a beautiful little kind of uh, nice, neat little bow tied on the end of the book that, hey, all of this material that uh in many ways, he was reminding us of what God of God's way of living all along that goes all the way back to the Ten Commandments. Brent Crow is talking about his new book, Ten Steps to Your Best Life. Brent, I remember years ago that word paradigm came along, and before I could figure it out, we had a paradigm shift. Um, <laughs> so, so what is a paradigm, and what's a paradigm shift? Can you uh, give us uh, that? Uh, uh, high-level area of thinking. Help me out. <laughs> yeah, well, the way I understand uh, a paradigm in, in, the, in the manner in which we are using it is a paradigm is simply a the parameters by which I live my life. It's an ethic of living. It's, a, uh, it's, uh, um, it's not paint by number, but it is um, here are the instructions, here's the directions. Here's the template for how you should live. And so when we talk about uh, a paradigm, we're talking about a template for living, some instructions for living. Uh, and, and, you know, I, in, the, in the book I use a story uh, about how, you know, you and I Pat, live in Central Florida, so when we get a hurricane season that comes through, boy, I tell you, it, uh, it can do a lot of damage. But you remember years ago there was that season, God, it might have been, 12, 14 years ago, where we had four storms hit the peninsula uh, um, in six weeks. And everybody put out their debris on their curb like we're all supposed to. And then the next storm came and the next storm. And by the time it was all said and done, there was more damage to the roofs because of debris that had been put on the curb than because of the original storm itself. And so for about 18 months thereafter, you would see just nothing but blue tarps every time you'd fly into to Orlando. And so what, ha you know, but a blue tarp is something that's supposed to cover your roof. It's a temporary solution to a permanent problem. And if you're not careful, you can get really comfortable living under that blue tarp. And what I'm trying to hopefully prayerfully in a, in a full of love, the love of Jesus, hopefully is to warn people that, Hey, listen, as we go through this p pandemic, some of us have 
put a, a blue tarp on our lives. We put temporary solutions on our lives to permanent problems. And all that's going to happen is those problems are going to be exasperated the longer you live. A paradigm shift is that I'm no longer going to settle for temporary solutions to the permanent problems in my life, especially when God has offered us a way of living that, is, uh, that offers us permanent, a permanent solution. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to the voice of Dr. Brent Crow. Vice President of Student Leadership University, based here in Orlando. And his book, get it, it's a good one, 10 Steps to Your Best Life, Connecting the New Normal to the Ancient Wisdom of Jesus. And while you're ordering that book, I do want to tell you that my latest book has just come out. It's called Every Day is Game Day. It's a 365-day devotional. Uh, with with sports themes, each each day has a different sports story or sports theme, uh, and then of course it, it ties to the scriptures. The book has just come out. I th- think you'll enjoy it. Go up to Amazon and uh, get those books taken care of. Uh, that'll be great. Well, a happy New Year to you folks, and uh, see us next weekend here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. And stay tuned all day long to the new AM nine ninety. And FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Uh, have a wonderful start to the new year. We'll see you next weekend. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Now, here's Pat. Well, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on New Year's Day. In that first segment, Jeremiah Johnston was with us in Houston uh, talking about his new book, Unleashing Peace. And then Dr. Brent Crow, uh, based here in Orlando with Student Leadership University, uh, talked to us about his new book, Ten Steps to Your Best Life. Well, folks, uh, here on New Year's Day, just another reminder, we're trying to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando, and we need your help. We need to show Major League Baseball that we've got great interest here, and we do. But there's a website, OrlandoDreamers.com, OrlandoDreamers.com. Go up there and just check in and tell us, yeah, I'm with you. I like it. Good idea. Uh, Tell me more. Keep me posted. I'm all for this. OrlandoDreamers.com. Well, again, Happy New Year. Uh, We'll see you next weekend here for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. And stay tuned all year long to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. See you next week, though. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.